Hello and welcome to Ernie Ball's Striking Accord podcast. I'm Evan Ball. Today I'll be speaking with Kevin Maida and Nick Casasanto of the band Knuckle Puck. I caught up with Nick and Kevin of Knuckle Puck just prior to the release of their latest album, which is titled 2020. We discussed the choosing of their band name, how their writing process works, their band relationships and common bonds they have, such as coffee and movie quotes. We talked about The Sopranos, listening to Blink-182 as kids, some interesting encounters they've had with fans, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Maida and Nick Casasanto. Kevin and Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. Let's go down memory lane. When and what was Knuckle Puck's first gig? July 2011. I can't believe you remember the date. I would never remember. Yeah. I, I don't know why I always specifically remember that it was July. Yeah. It was, it was at a bowling alley in, um, uh, in Tinley Park, Illinois. And we actually got the name of our band because we needed a name for that show and we didn't have one. So... Ah, that's good. Deadlines are good. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, what, what made us go with knuckle puck. We were, we were throwing names back and forth and eventually John came up with knuckle puck and we all thought it was cool. And we were like, you know, why not? Let's just tell them knuckle puck. So they have something to, something to, to put on the flyer. And yeah. Yeah. So was it, was it the, the sound of the name or did it have special meaning or it just rolls off the tongue nicely? It was neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, John saw it on the back of a T-shirt at uh, a music fest, and we like, like Nick said, we just had a show coming up, and we they needed a name to put on the flyer. And it's Nick. It's funny that why did we even have a show if we didn't have a band name yet? That's like something I've always thought about. Like, yeah, I don't know who agreed to have like a no-named band on a show that they've never heard of. I always, I always thought that was kind of funny in retrospect, but, uh, wasn't John friends with somebody in, um, one of the bands that was putting the show on and they needed like an opening band. And John was like, I've been jamming with some guys. And is that is now, or it was Joe, maybe Joe knew someone that was putting on the show or again, like another band that was playing or something like that. So I think it was just like a leap of good faith. So was there bowling going on at the same time? Or was it sort of like just using the bowling alley as a venue for a, a show? It was, in like uh you know sometimes you go to a bowling alley and there's like a side party room if you have like a birthday yeah, yeah. party okay. it was in one of those so there was bowling going on it was still like fully gotcha. functioning and, and open but uh it's funny it's it's this is bowling alley in tinley park illinois called centennial lanes and we've since played like uh it's kind of become like a sort of like a local venue since like uh i know Dave and Kyle from the band Real Friends would book shows there. And there was always just like local shows happening there after then. So it's kind of cool to play it when it was like, oh, this is kind of a weird circumstance for playing in a bowling alley. But then it kind of just morphed into like a, like a normal venue for, for local shows. Kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you have video of the, the first show? Nick's brother does. Yeah, we, we do somewhere. <laughs> I'm in, I'll be interested to see what that looks like someday. It didn't make it on the internet yet, huh? No, no. I, okay. I don't, we'll, we'll see if it ever does. Um, he likes to break that stuff out like years later as like a prank. I mean, well, I, mean less, I guess less of a prank and more of, um, <laughs> hey, remember this? And he shows you something crazy that you thought you would never see. But yeah, we definitely have it on video. So maybe one day it'll hit the internet. So keep your eyes peeled, people. 
All right. So knuckle puck, you got the name for the first gig. So is it puck like in hockey or, or do you guys think of like puck as the little like uh, mischievous mythical, uh, what is it? A fairy or something? I, I, I'm not even aware of what that is. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was only hockey and, and that was the oh, okay. extent of, of the name. <laughs> no, there's like a, like in, in ancient mythology, I don't know what, whose mythology, there's some character named puck. Huh. So hockey then. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Ours was definitely, hockey. definitely um, a mighty ducks reference in one way or another. Um, which is funny because when, when Kevin and I met um, uh, the, the first time that we hung out, um, it was at his cousin's uh, birthday party who was uh, who I went to grade school with. And that's how I met Kevin. Okay. At, at this birthday party, um, we watched the mighty ducks and knuckle puck is a, is it is the term from the movie that they say in the movie. So the first time Kevin and I ever even hung out, we we watched the movie where our band name originated from. Oh, how funny. Nick, I did not know that. <laughs> Yo, what do you mean you didn't know that? <laughs> no, I I just, I don't well, I don't re- re- recall that specific detail. I didn't recall us or uh watching that movie together. I don't doubt that it happened. Uh I don't I don't think you and I have ever talked about it that specifically though. That's I, I guess we didn't. Um, I, I've talked about it before, um, like to other people and cause you know, like a- Alex was uh, a hockey player. Like a lot of those kids at that birthday party were hockey players. So they kind of right. watched the mighty ducks. So yeah. it was something that they always watched every year at, at his party. And anyway, yeah. All right. So, so you kind of alluded to this. Did you guys all know each other before you were in a band together? Nick and I were, like the only two people that actually knew each other before, like Nick just said, uh, he grew up with my cousins. And, uh, so I, I've known Nick since we were kids, but in terms of everyone else, we all kind of met through like mutual friends and some of us went to school together and we would always see each other around at like local shows and, and stuff like that. And, uh, so that's kind of funny. Nick and I are the only two people that know each other outside of the band. So you does the band come up in high school or is it after high school? For for Nick and I, so it came up for me right after I started my freshman year of college. Uh, Joe and John, they're a year younger than Nick and I. So they were still in high school. They were seniors. So for them, high school. But for me uh, and Nick, we were college-aged. Okay. And you guys are just outside of Chicago? Yeah. Southwest suburbs. Okay. You know, generally speaking. What's the town called? Well, we're all Nick is actually like grew up within the city limits, but the rest of us are from the suburbs, but we were all kind of like spread out within like a 20, 30 minute uh, okay. radius of each other kind of a thing to see shows at that point. Did you guys have to go into Chicago more or, or were there stuff around the suburbs? No, oh, yeah, there was, there, there was stuff definitely all over. Um, a lot of shows are in the city, but some of the smaller shows, um, like there was a venue called Mojo's that we would always go to shows at. And that was, that was like out in the suburbs. So the, oh, and like Fiesta, that was in Tinley Park too, right, Kev? Yep. Yeah. Mojo's was in Orland Park, which is where I grew up. There was Mojo's, Fiesta. Fiesta was like a iteration of Mojo's. So it was like the same kind of like people who ran it. Like smaller, like touring bands would always play there, but like on the smaller scale, like I remember one time we saw like the Wonder Years at Fiesta, a bunch of like smaller touring bands they were smaller at the time we played that venue mojos. Like I remember seeing like all time low there, uh, when I was in high school and I would hear about like, I think like a day to remember used to play there like way back in the day when they would first start touring. But like for bigger shows to at like 
you know, bigger venues. Yeah. We would mostly be going into the city at venues like Metro and Riviera and Aragon and stuff like that. House of Blues too. Yeah. All right. So, so there's a new album coming out soon. Actually, I should say when this podcast airs, your album will already be out. So we're in a sense, uh, living in the past here as we talk about it, but, uh, 2020, is that the title? Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you've released a few songs already, but how many songs are on the album? Uh, there's, 11? there's 11. Yeah. I had to think about that. I, yeah, I said 11 with a question mark. I was like, Oh, I actually don't know. <laughs> well, I know you've released a few. How do you decide which songs to release before the album is out? Because there's got to be some tension between putting your best foot forward to create interest versus not showing your full hand and saving your saving certain songs for the actual release. Right. I feel like we just kind of all give our opinion about what should come out first. And, um, you know, like our manager and Lisa from, from rise, uh, will, you know, give their input as well. Um, and from there, you know, we just kind of see who, like what songs have the most quote unquote, like votes. But I, you know, I do remember for this record, um, for our previous records, we were all usually like on the same page, like, Oh yeah, this one definitely we'll put out first. And then this one with this record, I feel like everybody had different, um, had different choices of what the first single should be, um, particularly the first one. But after that one, uh, we decided on a few more that would come out. Like we, we knew that we want earthquake to come out like in the summertime because it's a, you know, it's a feel good song. We wanted people to yeah. listen to it in good weather. Um, so we knew that, but other than that, yeah, I guess we just kind of would say what we think that it is and whichever had the most feedback, that's the one that we want, that we went with. Yeah. Is there kind of a balance between, uh, how much you release in advance? We, we like, I, I guess because of COVID we have, I, I feel Nick, I feel like we've released way more singles than we normally would have for like a normal roll out like i think how many singles are out right now like four or I think five. five i'm pretty sure we have five singles out right now which yeah is definitely more than we usually would have put out but i think i think we kind of compensated for that because we we're like well i mean we're like the release of this album is delayed now so I might as well just i don't know just like keep putting like new songs out like what's the harm in that yeah. Okay. So it would have been out earlier, right? Oh yeah. It would have been out in May, like May okay. 20 something. So like right, right at the beginning of summer and it's for like our other records, we didn't really, I don't think we ever really premeditated the release date in terms of the kinds of songs we wrote and the kinds of songs we included uh, on like the recording roster. But like Nick was saying with our single earthquake, that to us was like a quintessential feel good summer song. And we kind of approached the album like that. Cause we knew it would be like a fresh summer release. Yeah. And it's funny that like the first time we actually premeditated the release <laughs> of the album, it just kind of didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it got yeah. pushed back like a couple months, but I mean, it's okay. I think the, like the feeling is still yeah there. like you said you're able to put certain songs out and, and control the rollout right right hey there there would have been like probably only like three singles okay so so for this album did the stage in your career or vibe or or context around creating this album differ from previous albums in any notable ways well i guess one big difference is um i had moved out to los angeles um a couple of years ago like pretty much pretty much right as we started 
writing the record because I remember the first song that was written for the record was Breathe. And that had uh, like, we had started working on that before I moved out here. Um, but then I moved out here in September of 2018. And um, the, the big difference in working on this record was that obviously I wasn't with the guys for the majority of the time. But I would fly to Chicago, you know, at least once, at least once a month, uh, whenever we were off from touring to work on songs for the record. So, uh, like the, uh, Joe and Kevin and John would meet up and write songs at Joe's house. And then I would work on stuff on my own in, in, in Los Angeles. And then when I would come, uh, to Chicago, uh, or, you know, like before a tour or whatever, we would, we would work on stuff together at that point. So that was, I guess, the biggest difference in working on this record, I think. But even then, you know, I feel like, I feel like even that is pretty similar to how we would write our, our, our past material because generally how we work as a band is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like somebody comes up with a riff and brings it to the rest of the guys and then we finish it from there. And it was pretty much the same here. You know, like if I worked on a song at home in Los Angeles, I would record it, send it to the guys. And then the, the next time I saw them, we would, we would flush it out and finish it together. So even though, you know, I wasn't really there, um, we, we still kind of wrote the same. So I guess that was the that's the biggest difference. Okay. The rest of you guys, are you all in the Chicago area? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, John, and I live in the city and uh, Joe and Ryan live in the suburbs, but it's all generally like the Chicago land area, you know, yeah. still pretty, pretty close to each other, reasonably speaking. So Nick, what prompted your move out to LA? Um, well, my wife got moved, uh, uh, well, she got offered to move within her company that she works for, ah. uh, you know, and I, it's not like I, you know, had like a nine to five where I had to be anywhere specific. So Sure. Yeah, we just kind of decided to to go for it and see what it's like living out here. And she uh, she no longer works for that company anymore. She moved to a different one since. But um, we've been out here for the last couple of years, and uh, it's going pretty well. I've been enjoying um, uh, a change of scenery, and you know, uh, the weather's also a big a big plus as well. But I, I do miss Chicago, though. I miss Chicago very very much. I, I really miss the seasons, and it's just. It, it's very different out here. So I do really enjoy whenever I get to go back to Chicago, which I'm, I'm actually going to Chicago tomorrow uh, to practice with the guys and uh, play. Uh, we have, we're playing a live show with Audio Tree. Uh, they're going to be streaming a show. We're, we're setting up and playing in um, in Lincoln Hall, a venue in Chicago. And so they're going to you know mic everything up and film it. And it's going to be um, a live stream show for the release of 2020. Right. So how much will you guys practice together before that happens? I mean, so far... It's just, it's been the four of us getting together, but that's only been weekly, like once a week and uh, kind of like dusting off the cobwebs. But now that Nick is coming to town, I I mean, I bet we'll practice a whole lot more. Yeah, I don't know. Nick, what do you think? We have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's figure this out right now. <laughs> I, I would imagine that, you know, I get into town tomorrow, the show's in a week. So we'll probably practice just about every day, if not Every other day, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have a room somewhere or someone's house? Yeah, we have a we have a, we have a practice space. Yeah. So you mentioned how you guys generally write songs. Does Joe, your singer, weigh in on the music side, like the instrument non singing side, or did, would he come in like after you guys have a, a song fleshed out and add his vocals? He writes a lot of guitar as well. Oh, okay. We'll record guitar as well. Oh, okay. Um, so he's very much well versed in in like that sector of writing as well like the instruments definitely contributes to, to all of the music as well. Yeah. Is the, are the vocals normally like the last layer or sometimes are they sort of written and presented together with music as a song idea? 
Um, so they're usually the last thing that is written. Um, Joe and, and myself uh, do the, the vocal writing. So generally we'll write a song, we'll have the instrumental and then we'll put the vocals on top of that. But for 2020, um, a lot of the songs, if like I'd say at least half of the songs, um, uh, I had written the vocals alongside like um, the music, like what, like while the music was being, was being written. Uh, that that's something that I've been trying to improve on is sort of having an idea for the vocal while the song is being written so that it can, it can kind of guide and make a lot of the decisions uh, for the music mm-hmm. for the, yeah. So for this record, uh, like I said, a lot of the vocals were, were sort of uh, baked into the songs already, uh, which is, which is really cool. It's that, I think that's, I think that's a really positive thing to do when you're writing. Yeah. So, so Nick, when you and Joe are both singing on a song, do you collaborate on lyrics or would it be more likely one person would write them and then sort of split up who sings what? It's kind of both. Like generally if, if Joe came up with, if like, you know, if like Joe or Kevin got together and they demoed out a song, Joe will come up with, with lyrics and, and I'll help. But um, actually on this record, like tune you out, Joe and Kevin uh, met up and, and wrote that song and sent it to me. And immediately I was just like hearing, you know, all these really cool melodies. So I went and I, I threw vocals on top of that. So it just, it's, it, it's kind of different depending on the song, you know, like sometimes Joe will have an idea for a song or a melody for a song that, you know, I, I really can't, like I, I'm, I'm lacking inspiration on, like, I, you know, I, I can't really hear a melody for and, and vice versa. So for this record, um, and I guess for our records in the past, it's just kind of once the instrumental is written, anything that either of us hear, we just kind of send it to the other and, and hope that, you know, the ideas are, are bounced off of each other and, and kind of, uh, develop from there yeah hey how does knuckle puck get along as a band i say pretty well we've had other people tell us who've been around us they're like you guys seem like you're all friends like it doesn't seem phony or like forced and uh i mean i've all bias aside i've even noticed that objectively as well like sometimes sometimes you're just around bands and you could kind of tell like you guys aren't really like friends first you know, and no judgment, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And not like that needs to be a requirement to be in a band, but it does make me appreciate that more when I know that even if we weren't playing music together, like going on tour recording or doing any of this, we would still probably all be hanging out with each other still. And uh, that makes me feel good. What kinds of, of common interests do you guys have? And also, what what would you fight about if you were going to have a band fight? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, common interests, I'd say. It, it seems to me at this point, uh, we're all like pretty into coffee. Like we just did a like a coffee collaboration with Metro Coffee, which is a coffee roaster based out of Chicago. Like when we were like posed with that idea, we were like all super into it. And uh, what would we fight about? We, we would fight about the accuracy of movie quotes that we were quoting. <laughs> yes. Good point. We're all pretty big quoters as I'm sure a lot of like friend groups are, but, but then again, we're getting back into common interests. It sounds like that's a good point. Movie quotes. That's a, that's another common interest, I suppose. Yeah. I'd think when, when your lives are so intertwined, you must kind of develop common interests, beliefs, sense of humor. It just is probably going to happen naturally. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I think yeah. I think Ryan, our bassist, has had a huge impact on 
our collective sense of humor. Like he's just <laughs> such a, he's just such a funny guy, man. He, he is always uh, just saying outlandish things and quoting uh, funny things and uh, doing impressions. And it just, it just rubs off on everybody. And the things that he says be- become common things that we say as a band and, and become like our inside jokes. And right. yeah. So, I mean, I guess a lot of our common interests like are movies, music. We all, like Kevin said, we all really like coffee. Um, Joe and I really like, really like weed. Um, and like from not, not just smoking it, but from like, um, studying it and knowing about it. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we, there, there's a lot of stuff that we, that we connect on as, as band members and as friends. And, um, like, you know, Kevin and I really like gear and we, we talk about like amps and pedals and, and stuff like that. So, what else, Kev? John and I like film photography. We all like cookie butter. That's a pretty big, that's a base layer. <laughs> I think Nick would agree. Are you crunchy or creamy cookie butter guy, Kev? Crunchy. Wow. And I recently, Nick, I've not bought a jar of cookie butter in actual years, uh, but I just bought one like the other week and I was just eating it the other night. You're that's lying. Fair. You're lying because I also haven't had cookie butter or bought one in well over a year and i just bought one a week or two ago from trader joe's no way you got the good stuff do you know why i bought it nick oh i sent you a video of it i got it because i was at jewel and i saw (laughs) jewel sometimes will market things as vegan and it's hilarious they'll have they'll have a little sign that says vegan with a little plant leaf next to it and then i saw the tag first that said vegan i looked up and it was a jar of cookie butter i was like all right well i'm just gonna grab that (laughs) sold and also one more thing is like when we, when we first started the band and we were practicing, you know, before, before we even knew it was going to be a serious thing, we would jam for a little bit. And then when we were done, uh, we, we would just watch YouTube videos of like people we thought were funny, like Kyle Mooney. Um, he's now on, on Saturday night live, but back then he just had a YouTube channel where he would go to conventions and stuff and interview people and be really awkward. Like they basically just make people feel really awkward. Um, we would just watch YouTube videos like that and just laugh and then go to Taco Bell. So uh, that's kind of like how the band started is like, we would jam goof off, watch YouTube videos and just hang out. So, and even now, like when we jam, I mean, even like last week when it was just the four of us, Nick, a lot of it is still just us like shooting the breeze and just talking. And it's like, it's like probably equal parts to like 50% jamming and actually diligently practicing. And then like, the other 50% is like, Oh dude, have you guys seen this video? <laughs> it's like the same kind of, you know, uh, like dichotomy as it was when you and I were like 18, which is kind of refreshing to think about it in that sense. I think it helps everything feel, you know, still like, uh, like you're just like the young kid playing this kind of music and you don't really care whether it succeeds or not. Strong relationships, strong bonds built on, multi-layered foundation it sounds like such as youtube yeah you guys are you guys are good good to go all right we got a lightning round here if you could tour with any band or artist past or present who would it be kev what do you think sorry I, I know i know what you're gonna say but go ahead oh i said Starline. oh really would you would you think i was gonna say i thought you were gonna say blink 182 oh i get oh well not the current lineup. <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess Blink, yeah. I don't know. Starline was the first one that just came to my mind. I don't know. I was thinking like, well, how realistic is it that we toured Blink? And I was like... 
dead past or present. So you can say let's yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, look at me putting realistic structures on a <laughs> purely fantastical scenario. Yeah, I guess I would have to say blink for sure though. Okay. Blink cool. or starting line. Yeah. All right. Man. I would honestly I would probably say blink just because it it just makes too much sense in every in every sense. Um yes. but for the sake of having a, a unique answer from Kev, um <laughs> I feel like it would be really cool to, to to tour with Third Eye Blind as well. I really like that band, and I feel like um, I feel like they play some pretty some pretty massive shows. Interesting. And back to Blink. So it sounds like they're a big influence. Maybe not like uh, so specifically with Knucklepuck when we first started, but individually in all of our lives, like a million percent. At least for I can speak for Nick and I and Joe and Ryan as well. I don't think John was traditionally a huge Blink guy, but like. Generally speaking, I think he, he likes them. But uh, uh, yeah, for Nick and I, huge, huge influence. Okay. I'm trying to think. I don't know how old you guys are, actually. I'm 28. Oh, okay. 28 as well. Yeah, we're all, we're all 27 and 28, except for our bassist, Ryan, who is 24, 25. He's going he's to he's be 25 in June. Okay. I'm trying to think back. Like, so Ernie Ball, we first did the Warp Tour. I went on it. It was 97 and Blink was on there. So I think that was, I feel like that was kind of the beginning of them breaking through to bigger audiences. I'm guessing you guys were pretty young then when you first got into Blink. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, I mean, I was, I was 11 when I was like first getting into them. I'm, I'm not sure how old you were, Nick. Um, yeah, it was, it was probably around then. I remember... Um, cause I, like I was, I was always into music, but, um, music was, wasn't always like my thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, until, you know, I was, I think I was, I was probably like 11 or 12 when, uh, my older brother bought me, uh, the, the take your, take off your pants and jacket, uh, CD. Nice. Me too. Yeah. I would just listen to it, um, over and over in my little portable CD player and I would like fall asleep listening to it. I think that was like the first band and the first record where I was like, wow, like I, I really like, I really like this music. Like this is like, I'm interested. I like, I, like I want to do this, you know? So yeah. definitely a very, uh, you know, influential band for me for sure. All right. Touring. What's the ideal set length? <laughs> 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, nice. regardless. Of, yeah. I would say like 20, 25 minutes. Not that, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with playing for like 45 minutes to an hour. But it's it's like kind of hard, like trying to maintain that I, I don't know same level of enthusiasm like over that period of time. Yeah, bust out a nice potent set, then enjoy yourself. Yeah, that's why that's why like playing worked was fun. I I mean like any tour is fun, but like that like that's what I guess made Warp special and stand out was that like it was only twenty five thirty minute sets and you only had time to play so many songs and. Yeah, I don't know. It just like, kind of makes it more special. And then there's so much going on when you're not playing that you can go and see. Right. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes when you're up there for like an hour, I start to internalize certain feelings and I'm like, oh God, everyone crowd must be bored right now. Like they must <laughs> want to go home and I don't know, get get back to their lives. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, yeah, which, which I'm sure like if you really felt like that in the audience, you would just leave. But uh, as long as people are still there, I don't think it's really an issue. But uh, right. I don't know. Sometimes you just start to like think like that, especially when you play for like an hour for like a month for four to five weeks on like a headliner tour. You know, like you yeah. just start to think of different things. Eventually, you reach a point where you're like, 
what am I eating later? Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I eat dinner yet? <laughs> I wonder what they're going to have at catering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 25 minutes is safer. Yeah. I, I, I actually really like a direct support set. So like 40 to 45 minutes. I think that's, I think that's great because it's uh, it allows you to play like a, you know, maybe a couple deep cuts and play for a little bit longer. And then, and you know, you don't, you don't have to play for like an hour and a half. So I think I, yeah. I would say 40 minutes is ideal for me. Okay. For sure. I agree. Favorite way to pass your time on tour? Reading and uh, watching The Sopranos on my phone. All right. <laughs> like watching it over or you're, you're going through it for the first time? Uh, I'm watching it over. I've been okay. watching it over and over for the last six years. Okay. <laughs> how, how, how many times have you rewatched it now, Kev? What, what's your number? Uh, well, it's hard to say because I never like... It's very seldom do I start from episode one and then like watch it through the end of episode of season six you know like it's always like ooh, i i feel like watching this very particular episode from season four uh and like that's really it uh or like i'll think like oh uh, i really like this one scene in season three i'll watch that episode and then just finish the series from in the middle of season three i do like weird stuff like that all the time with it just because i'm so familiar with it at this point where i don't i don't need the entire context i just know what it is so i can just like drop myself in the middle of any season and just like already be comfortable uh which maybe is a good thing or a bad thing i'm not sure yet yeah evan have you have you ever watched the sopranos actually i have not and i'm kind of embarrassed to say that i've seen i've seen random episodes long ago but Mm -hmm. that doesn't really count i guess i'm I'm always looking for new shows to watch, but I know it's good. So I don't know why I have it. I need to do that. I just watched it for the first time during quarantine. You know, I feel like I finally, I finally had a, an enormous amount of, of time in every day where I wasn't doing anything that I was like, let's watch The Sopranos. And I think there was a couple of days actually as well, where I watched like over eight episodes in a day. Like just like, uh, dude, that rocks. I love that. Since like March throughout quarantine there, I have never had so many people say to me oh i'm starting the sopranos today like so many so many of my friends that haven't watched it before but it's just because everyone has like the time to and it is a real commitment of a show uh like it's essentially seven seasons and i think that's probably why i haven't it feels like uh, just such a big endeavor to start and there's always new stuff coming out but i do i am one who likes seasons over movies because i like to be engaged and know the characters and, and and stick with it yeah it's it's very daunting and i even feel like that about like any new show i start now but uh usually what i what i tell people is like uh like don't try not to think of like the whole series and just watch it like one episode at a time you could stop whenever you want sort of a thing all right it's on um, my list but uh it's cool it's a uh, it's a pretty good show i liked it a lot <laughs> it's all right all right do you have a strangest fan encounter Oh, well, plethora. <laughs> Are any coming to uh, to your mind, Kev, off the, off the top of your head? Um, <laughs> none of which are like none of none of the ones I'm thinking of like are inappropriate at all. Uh, they're very like PG friendly. Uh, I just uh, are there two lists? It, not not even not even that it's just uh, i just don't want to tell a story and have that person hear it and then be like oh no that was about me yeah <laughs> you know uh like just like uh like funny funny interactions and stories when you like don't have enough money to get a hotel and you stay at like a, a random person's house for the night stuff like that 
I just wouldn't want to okay. embarrass anyone, even if they, uh, Nick, you want to embarrass anyone? <laughs> Always. No, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something, um, that I'll give a little, sn- I'll give a little snippet. One time we were staying with this, at this kid's house and, uh, like I, I remember we walked into his house and I thought, I thought this was so funny. <laughs> we were walking like up the staircase to sleep in like a guest bedroom and, the kid's dad um, grabbed the house phone, like the house line. It was wireless, but he grabbed it and said, do you guys need a phone? And like handed it to me. And I just thought that was so funny because like, this wasn't like years ago. I mean, it was in 2014, <laughs> but we all had iPhones. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. He offered the house phone to us. I always remember that. And I'm not sure if you remember that, Nick, but I remember it distinctly because he handed it to me like in my direction and i felt like the responsibility was just thrown at me <laughs> to tell them no that we all have phones of our own oh it's a nice I, offering I thought, yeah <laughs> um i i think i got one um so the first year we played warp tour we were doing a meet and greet and this kid walks up to us and he says nick we're related you're my cousin and i can <laughs> and i remember being like what like what like what do you mean i, I uh quick backstory my last name is is really crazy it's basically nobody nobody has the same last name as me it's kind of just like my family in chicago and then there's maybe like one other pod of people with my last name on the east okay casa santo Santo, yes and i've tried like you know googling it and seeing if like we have family elsewhere in the states which we, we we really don't um, so it was weird to me that, you know, this kid was coming up to me being like, you're my, we're related, you know, obviously the first thing I'm going to think is, okay, sure. You know, like, I don't believe you, but he was very persistent about it. And obviously, you know, he, he showed me his ID and was like, oh, wow, we do have the last, the same last name. How did you, how did you learn that? And he said, well, uh, you know, I, I was always a fan of your band, but I had no idea you were in it or that we had the same last name. He said that he was on our Wikipedia page one day and just randomly saw the band members section and saw that someone in the band had his same last name. You know, he came to the meet and greet and he was like, I have our family tree. I could prove it. We're related. <laughs> uh, and his, his name is Angelo. And ever since then, you know, every time we roll through, Philadelphia, the Boston area, you know, he comes up to shows and, uh, he's, he's a nice kid. And it's, it was, it was a funny thing to, um, to realize that you're related to one of your fans and it was something that we didn't know or he didn't know before he started listening to us. So that's a good one. So it's true. You guys actually are related. Yes, it is. It is true. What would that make you guys, Nick? Like, Oh, I, I, I really have no idea. All right. Next question. If you were a professional athlete, what sport would you want it to be in? Volleyball. Was that volleyball? Yeah. I used to play volleyball in high school. And, uh, oh, okay. like I'm not really physically or athletically inclined, but, uh, I really enjoyed it when I played it and I would actually feel like competitive about it. So I guess if I, if I had to pick a sport, I would probably pick volleyball. Yeah. All right. It's interesting because I would pick skateboarding because I, I'm terrible at it. I'm not good at it in any way, shape or form, but if I could pick one, I would, I would for sure love to, to skateboard professionally. I think that'd be so cool. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I always skated growing up or, you know, like tried to skate growing up, but just was, you know, it, it just wasn't my thing. And now, you know, I'm, I'm too scared to skateboard because I, I, you know, if I hurt myself, um, you know, that would, 
uh, that wouldn't be good for me. Yeah, not good for a guitar player. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell your story, Kev, about about skateboarding. I I like I grew up skateboarding and uh, I fell out of it for a while. Um, and then what year is it? Twenty twenty. So three years ago, I like like summer of twenty seventeen. I got really back into it and I started doing it like almost every day. It was so much fun. Uh, but then like in like mid August of that year, I fell and broke my elbow. I had like a hard cast on for a couple of weeks and then I had like a movable cast on. It looks like a robot arm, but, uh, for one of our music videos, I had to wear a long sleeve shirt cause I was still in a hard cast. And, uh, what's like, uh, I'm going to sound really dumb here. What is the, like the bone doctor called? What is the formal name for someone who works on bones? Oste- it starts with an, it starts with osteo an o. something. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That's definitely that person. Uh, when I was about to get my hard cast on, like, you know, when you have a cast on your arm, your your the back of your hand is facing up, like your palm is down when it's positioned like that. Oh yeah. And the reason for that is it's way more comfortable. Uh but I was like telling him, I was like, Yeah, man, like I I play in a band and we have these shows coming up and music videos and stuff like that. I'm kind of tweaking out about it. He's like, Oh, okay, so we'll actually like face your palm up now in the cast. So when you get out of the cast, it'll make it that much oh. easier to adjust back to playing guitar. Wait, so it's your left um, hand then your, your Fred. It was hand? my, it was, it was my Fred hand. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, okay. it was helpful because for the music video, I could still fake, like I was still playing guitar, even though I had a cast on my hand that wrapped around my palm. Hey, what video uh, is it? Uh, it's the video for double helix. And it's funny because it's the whole concept of the video is it's a camera, like moving around us constantly. And so you could see like the cast sticking out of, uh, my sleeve, the long sleeve I was wearing, but, uh, I was able to like get by and pretend like I was playing. I was not playing. Like I couldn't even like press my fingers down yeah, like on the fretboard or around the strings, you know, but, uh, it looked good enough. I thought, all right. I think we're just about there. Uh, let's go one more. What are your favorite guitar strings? Come on. Come on. There's only one answer in the world to that question. There we go. Ernie Cobalt, Beefy Slinkies. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Ooh. Sorry. What did you say, Ken? Ernie Cobalt, Beefy Slinkies. Cobalt, Beefy Slinkies. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Which sounds like... I was actually just... Talk, Nick, I was just talking to my dad like the other night about like the strings we use, and I was thinking about it, and it sounds like an aggressive like gauge to use. I was just, I was just... It's like a really thick gauge and then it's also cobalt and it, and when i was saying that out loud to my dad i was like maybe this sounds like unnecessary to play it but then anytime i play them they just like feel right you know and i think they sound good too i agree yeah i've tried i've tried going down in in gauge um i tried to like using a letter gauge and i don't know i just think i'm i'm so i'm so used to it that i can't i can't go back yeah and I maybe in the past when I was younger, I would try a different brand and I'm like, these aren't the same. Like I don't, I don't enjoy these the same way. Like I remember when I first started playing guitar when I was like 12 or something. Uh, I think my dad was like, Oh, when you're at school, I'll, I'll, your guitar sounds like it needs new strings. I'll go out and put some new strings on there for you. And you put on like, I think just a, a pack of regular slinkies. And I remember like, playing it and then being like wow this sounds seriously incredible and it's not like i was playing well i was 12 and i would like go to school 
and then just like thinking about the sound all day and i would come <laughs> home and like just like i remember like coming home and not even playing my guitar but just like flicking the strings with my finger and like just hearing like the richness and vibrancy of it all i was I like, just, like whoa this Man, is like that's great yeah i just i have that really odd anecdote about when i would first started playing early balls we'll take it i like it and then it was even cooler like getting the pack of strings and then like scanning the back of the list of bands that use it and it's like all the bands i liked like blink 22 and uh like no effects and all those bands you know yeah 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 definitely uh, my my ernie ball anecdote is when i first started playing guitar i think that like because my, my older brother um uh gave me a guitar and uh he had a couple extra packs of strings and i think they were they were like these or something like that i just remember like not like i just remember not really liking them so i went to guitar center to get new strings one day when i needed them and I remember asking the guy, this is, this is my first time buying guitar strings. And I remember asking the guy behind the counter, um, you know, like what's like, you know, cause you go to guitar center and there's an entire wall of, of strings right. and it keeps growing. Exactly. I just remember looking at it being like, I don't know what to buy, you know? So I remember asking the, the, the sales guy at the counter there, I was being like, Hey, you know, what strings should I get? And he just grabs a pack of Ernie ball is like the, the regular slinkies. And he just, Throws him the counter and he goes there, right there. They, that's all you need. And I just remember flipping it over, like Kevin said, seeing all the bands in the back. And I think I saw Blink One Eighty Two or Green Day, and then I was just like, okay, that's it. Uh, and I yeah. never, never used any. Those other are the two bands I listen to exclusively, <laughs> so that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything you want to let the people know before we sign off? New album Twenty Twenty comes out September Eighteenth, and uh, we're playing a. Uh, live stream show via audio tree that same day and uh can't really plan much more at this point can you no man it's like it's been kind of fun having something tangible to actually anticipate and like oh on this date we're doing something we're doing this you know like uh we're doing it all together and it's a you know a show which feels good um we'll see what happens after that uh hopefully we could do something else like that again or, but uh, yeah, for now it's, it's, I'm very grateful just to have this one day, like this one opportunity to do something like that, you know? All right, Nick and Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. For having us. Yep. Thanks again for listening to Ernie Ball's striking a chord podcast. Go check out knuckle pucks, new album 2020. If you have not already, if you'd like to contact us, please email us at striking at ernieball.com. so funny that we've had like 30 episodes the last three interviews i've done we've talked about skateboarding and it hasn't come up previously really yeah weird little trend